Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and your business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Scott Royal Smith. Scott is a real estate investor and asset protection attorney in Austin, Texas. Scott became an entrepreneur while still in law school, purchasing and running an auto mechanic shop to pay his way through school. He has spent the last eight years of his career analyzing real estate investment and asset protection. As the founder and CEO of Royal Legal Solutions, Scott offers tax, business, and legal strategies to clients all over the U.S. and Canada. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. I'm delighted to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's it's a real pleasure to be able to come on the show and, and share some great information with everybody. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I uh, I know that, you know, investing and especially in the realm of real estate, which is your specialty is, uh, you know, can be a really confusing realm and especially for entrepreneurs who are dealing with that kind of sometimes erratic cash flow. So maybe we can start there and, and talk a little bit about investing from an entrepreneur's standpoint because you don't necessarily have, you know, the, the kind of classic invest a little bit at a time or, or have chunks, um, it, it can be uh, somewhat unpredictable. So can you speak a little bit to that and how you can best maximize your investments in that kind of environment? Sure. Yeah. So um, I, of course, I'm an asset protection attorney and longtime real estate investor. Um, and uh, I did litigation before I got into asset protection. I've been working with about 2,500 clients across the country now. Um, so what I find is that um, there's two there's two ways that people you know kind of mess it up so to speak is one is they're either way too anxious to get into markets or they're way too scared right so the people that are way too anxious to get into markets will typically just pay anything that comes up with an asset and say hey the markets are still going up for forever I got to get in now I don't care if I have to overpay from the less prices you know I got to have the property and the other people look at it and say you know I don't have all the information. Um, that possibly exists on whether to invest or not. Uh, so I'm not going to do anything. Right. So those are the two people that, ty- that typically lose out. Um, the people that win um, in the game of being an entrepreneur, um, I am one myself, um, as well as a real estate investor. Um, and the way you win is that you find a good team of people um, and you get enough information and track record around that team that allows you to uh, to have the confidence that you need to be able to to push money you know onto the table um, to make it work. And as an entrepreneur, it's absolutely essential to have passive income coming in um, every month. You can call it horizontal income, income you make off your back, or mailbox money, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the money that you're actually making your company right now isn't your money like to spend. It's money to be able to be converted into investments to kick you off uh, passive income with the idea being that your passive income would then generate enough money for you to live off of. Right. And that's how you hit the best possible quote unquote, like micro retirement you can have. Maybe that number's at 30,000, maybe it's at 50,000, you know, maybe it's at a hundred thousand dollars a year. But the point here is, is twofold. One, um, by investing in that way, 
um, it helps you look at, you know, what's my long-term exit. My long-term exit is that I don't have to take projects I don't want to um, because I have this money coming in. Um, and the second thing it does is, is that actually if your goal is to have really big money and huge success, having passive income is the way that it's going to allow you to be able to take the big swings at the, at the fences yeah. um, without having to risk everything because your fallback position is you just live off of your passive income again. So it's absolutely essential um, to have uh, good real estate investments or other passive income investments um, and good protection to make sure that all the hard work you did in building these investments doesn't you know, go up in a poof of smoke. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can make much more clear-headed decisions when you're not worrying about your day-to-day, you know, kind of operating costs and personal income, for sure. Is, is, uh, why did you focus on real estate as opposed to equity investments? Well, you, you can do both, right? I do a lot of syndication investments as well. So I invest in, in just about every asset class in terms of real estate from notes, land, um, syndication, single multifamily apartments, et cetera, uh, in about 10 different states. And I help clients all across the country um, with their asset protection and their investments as well. So yeah. it really depends on what your goals are and what your, and what your management is. So I don't teach an investing course, right? Mm-hmm. So this is really just me talking about here's my unbiased viewpoints into it, right? Um, it's, you got to know what it is that you're really after, right? So if you want to get involved in a lot of day-to-day active management uh, of your investments, then single and multifamily is a good place to go, right? Um, commercial property can be really good. You can make a lot more money in there, but the swings high and low uh, become uh, much more pronounced, right? So it's magnified in whatever it is that you do. And then if you're looking for the things that can be as most truly passive as you can really get, then you have to look at buying equity and type of syndication deals. Um, that's the best way to be able to achieve that goal. But you know, if you're the more active you are typically as you would think is the more, the higher the return needs to be, you know, because now you're trading time for money again. When, when you're looking at syndication deals, it's purely passive, but your returns are lower. So to ultimately know the answer to this question, you have to know what your true dollar per hour is for every hour you're going to work. So I would say that's your first step in knowing like what type of investment you want to make. So when you say syndication deals, just fill us in so that everybody's on the same page. What do you mean by that? So syndication deals are where um, I would buy um, part of your company, which owns an asset. So your, your company uh, bought an apartment complex and I want to buy 10% of that company. Um, and then I have some money that it, that's structured out of that. Like I get a 10% return per year for as long as your company holds my money. And I probably get a percentage of whatever um, the asset sells for in terms of what the profits are. Mm-hmm. So we call it a syndication because it's syndicating a bunch of people that are like me into your deal. And you would be what's called an operator in that context that you're pulling together all of these people to pull money into your company to be able to buy that asset. Okay. So you, I mean, you've started a number of companies. You started, even started in law school. And so what, what have you learned along the way about, asset management, I mean, something you've already mentioned is having a team of people. Um, is, is that something that, uh, I mean, talk a little bit more about that and then other things you've learned along the way as far as, as you're managing your risk and assets. Yeah. So the first thing that I learned is that you always lose if you're not taking action into stuff. And it's you're almost better to just take action once you just barely know what to do, you know, uh, with, with a lot of things, right? Um, when it comes to building businesses, because most of the time your best information is given to you 
um, by actually trying stuff out. Like the hypothetical scenarios that you can run um, are pretty much worthless, right? Mm-hmm. What really gives you the best info is really testing it. Now that that's really different when it comes to investing because you can't really afford to have big losses in investments, right? It destroys right. your portfolio. And so what you need to do is get paired up with teams of people um, that have strong knowledge bases and things that you don't have, right? So, um, so what we do for all of our clients is that we're a one-stop shop for them that takes care of all of their legal, structuring out their companies, you know, preparing their returns for them. Um, you know, looking at their estate planning, how can they use tax saving options with solo 401ks and self-directed IRAs and taking this holistic approach um, to saying, you know, how now that you want to invest in real estate or if you want to make other investments, here's how you can optimize um, everything underneath one roof. That's super important because you, um, otherwise what you get stuck with is dis- disenfranchised professionals, each one having their own opinion and own experience level and professional experience directly into that asset class. That's why we niche down so strongly to just typically real estate investors or entrepreneurs that are interested in real estate uh, because it really takes that level of deep knowledge to be successful. And the reason why this is important overall in the grand scheme of things is probably this, much the same reason why your business is successful because you hired other people to uh, be able to do functions that you either don't want to do or um, are time consuming. And so it doesn't make your dollar per hour for how much you have to pay yourself. It's, it's actually cheaper to hire somebody else to do it um, or that you're just not very good at it. And the learning curve would be extreme. Um, to be able to get uh, strong at that one. So I'm a huge proponent of outsourcing everything I possibly can to other people so I can focus on the one to three tasks that I need to have all of my attention on because those are the real dial movers. And that's what your team really is. Your team really is the place to be able to shove off all the things that aren't the one to three things that you're really exceptional at and bring into the table. Yeah, I mean, that's ideally that you're just focusing on exactly what you're great at and then let other people be great at what they do. And um, so that makes a lot of sense. So is there, I know, I know one of the things that you talk about quite a bit is um, insu- with respect to insurance, just to move for a moment away from, from investments per se, but what are the ways you recommend to lower insurance and save money? Like what are some of the things that people should know? Yeah, so insurance is actually a tool that I use um, just like everybody else does. And I'm a huge proponent of it to just lower my overall risk of, you know, random things that can happen in life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a big proponent of making sure that you're not overinsured, but also that you're not underinsured and your insurance agents are going to be able to help you talk through that. And I recommend talking to a few different agents, um, even about the same types of policies, right? Because you'll find that they'll have different um, biases as well as different approaches of what it is you quote unquote need right sure. um, into that. Um, my the, the biggest piece that I typically talk about is that we have an over-reliance on insurance. Insurance is really uh, geared very well to take care of um, accidents, just but only accidents. It's a legal claim called negligence. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, those are the most common claims um, that you are able to get, ever get. Um, and they usually have low dollar amounts, usually between five to $20,000 that the insurance company will settle out for, right? However, whenever you start looking at anything that is anything besides negligence, like a breach of contract or allegation of fraud because of some emails or anything else, right? There's hundreds of other types of legal claims. Insurance doesn't protect you. So if you're a real estate investor, if you have assets and you own them in your personal name, and this includes your stocks, your bonds, um, 
you know, cash in your bank account, all of that's at risk from a car accident that exceeds the limits of liability of your car insurance policy, as well as any of your business dealings that, um, that you're doing in your personal name that, you know, go sideways on you, right? Your insurance isn't going to cover you for that. Right. So I, uh, you know, fundamentally insurance companies are in the business of collecting premiums and denying coverage. That's how they make money, right? <laughs> so we all have to be cognizant of that. And I'm a huge proponent of saying, of course, I'm going to be insured, but I'm also going to have these asset protection legal tools in place using LLCs and other structures to protect and also hide my assets because I'm not going to rely on somebody else uh, like an insurance company to protect me when I can take steps proactively to make sure that I'm protected even if they don't. So before we get into the different legal structures, so what about umbrella insurance? That's kind of a catch-all where people feel like, oh, well, I'm, I'm covered because I have this umbrella policy. Yeah, you're uncovered from anything that's an accident. Uh-huh. You know, there's no such thing as an insurance policy that will ever cover you from fraud or breach of contract claim right? Which are super common. Breach of contracts claims are just anything that happened in any of your dealings with your customers or um, your employees or your vendors um, where that somebody said that, hey, you're supposed to pay me X and you didn't. Well, you're now having to fight a court battle over that and your insurance company is never going to cover you. Right. I mean, if you get into a car accident that can easily exceed the limits of liability of car insurance coverage, maybe your umbrella policy can kind of step in to give you some supplemental insurance in that case. But it won't protect you against the email exchange that you had where um, you had a misunderstanding with a buyer where they thought you were making certain representations about the product or service that, that you were giving them. And... Um, than what you were actually planning on giving them. And that misunderstanding is an allegation of fraud, right? That's all fraud usually is. It's usually an email exchange where people misunderstood each other and that nobody typically in these things is ever dishonest. Um, It's usually just misunderstandings. And the keynote to highlight under that is that it doesn't matter if you're honest because it's about somebody else's perception of you and typically where they misunderstood what you meant, right? So to really say that I don't think that I'm ever going to get sued for fraud is to say that I think everybody out there is, per- is going to understand me perfectly all the time, which is crazy. That's impossible. So instead of trying to rely on something like that, which is a behavior you can't control, um, you can put measures in place to say that even if somebody has a misunderstanding and even if they threaten me with a lawsuit and even if they sue me, uh, I don't care because I have all these proactive measures that I put in place with my asset mm-hmm. protection. So how does errors and omissions insurance fit into all that? Because typically professionals, for example, get that as a way to protect them from an inadvertent error or if they weren't provided with the appropriate information. How does, is that not sufficient protection? Sure. Well, you always want to have the, I typically look at it and say like, what is going to be a typical insurance offering for um, somebody in the industry? And what I'll do for that is to look at you know, what are the, the commissions, you know, groups, regulatory boards, et cetera, that talk about that industry. And they usually have best case recommendations for what types of insurance that are, you know, generally being used by the practitioners or the, the businesses in that area. Um, so that's where I typically try to be and says, go look there and see if you're, you know, in line with what the industry standards are, right, um, for insurance. However, I'll never say that insurance is going to be sufficient because it's just not, Right. Um, it's, it's always a good thing to have to help against the majority of things that can go wrong. But the legal system as it exists inside of the United States makes it where it's never sufficient because if for any reason your insurance doesn't cover you, you, a lawsuit against you would then mean that your entire net worth is at stake, 
from that lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And that's an unacceptable place to be, in my opinion. So how do you protect yourself against that? How do you make sure that your assets are protected? I know there's different structures that you can use in order to do that. Yeah. So what you're going to typically use, the easiest, cheapest, and best thing to use in almost all circumstances is going to be an LLC um, or a series LLC. So with the LLCs and the series LLC, what they do is, um, you know, if you establish it in in one of the four strong states, which is Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming, um, you get uh, the best possible protections uh, for your LLC. So it really matters where you form. Um, If you establish it in Texas, which is my preference, there's no annual fees and you can be a single member um, LLC here in Texas and it still protects you. Um, So you don't have to jump through any fancy hoops for it. But what would you accomplish by using an LLC is is essentially you've created, you know, a new legal quote unquote person, right? That can hold all of your assets for you. We call that an asset holding company. So that way, you know, you personally don't own assets anymore. You're not going to act like the rich do where you're, you only own a company which owns the assets. The rich don't actually own anything. And that's one of the big secrets uh, that people don't talk about. And, and it becomes really important why not to own anything because I had a friend who lost over $3 million from a single lawsuit and he had insurance in place for his real estate. Um, and he thought he was perfectly protected, right? But he, he wasn't aware of the you know, breach of contract fraud claims and, and the hundreds of other claims that uh, could could rear their head. Um, and he got bit by it and he lost big because of it. And all he had to do was to set up um, a series LLC structure with some anonymity in place, um, which is a straightforward process uh, to, to protect and hide all of his assets. Um, so that way they couldn't know what he owned. Um, and if they even tried to sue him, they couldn't get to it. Um, and if he would have gone that route, he could have been fully protected um, while um, only using one bank account and finally one tax return one set of accounting records and essentially nothing else in his life would have changed. He just didn't take action. Right. And so then he got bit by the lawsuits, which, you know, um, if you just look at the court data, uh, over the country, over, over 25 year period, a real estate investor, an entrepreneur, you know, a business owner, um, has a 95% likelihood of facing a major lawsuit. Right. Um, so, so none of these things happen frequently. Like they're not just right around the corner all the time. Right. But we know, do know statistically that it's going to happen at some point. So the question really becomes, it's not if you're ever going to be facing a lawsuit, it's when are you going to face a lawsuit and what position are you going to be in? And I'm a big advocate of being in such a strong position that people don't even file the lawsuits against us because they can't find out what we own and they have to fight through layer upon layer of, of protection. Um, and that becomes ex- incredibly expensive as well as time consuming for us to pursue us. And then at the end of the day, they just sue somebody else because, you know, ultimately these are attorneys that are filing the frivolous claims and other claims to, uh, to come after, uh, to come after us. Right. So, uh, if we just make it where it's a bad business proposition for them to come after us, they just sue the next guy. And you do that by using LLCs to protect your assets and using trust to be able to hide your ownership and, um, of the company as well as the properties. So one of the things I heard you talk about in another interview is uh, ownership, separating ownership and control. So most people kind of conventionally think that it's good to own a lot rather than not, and that, that there's not really an awareness of an alternative. So tell, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so typically what I'm recommending is for everybody to use a two-company structure. You'll have one company, which is your series LLC that compartmentalizes every asset that you own for free. Um, or if you're in California, you use the Delaware Statutory Trust. The net effect is the same, though. 
you can protect all of your assets and remove them from your name. They're not in your name anymore. They're in the name and ownership of this LLC, um, which people can't find out who owns it and they can't find out what assets it owns because we create anonymity um, through the use of trust as well as a law firm. That's step number one, is protecting all the assets and moving it out of um, your name. Step number two is creating an operating company that handles all of your active business. So on the one hand, you have an asset holding company that holds all of the assets. On the other hand, you have an operating company which does all of the business-facing functions to the world. I mean, it's going to make the sign the contracts, it's going to make communications to your clients, it's um, it's going to do uh, be a property manager if you own real estate, um, whatever exists. It's going to be through that operating company um, that's going to touch the outside world. The reason why is because. With the asset holding company owning all of your assets and the operating company handling all of the business, now there's no room for people to sue you successfully. Of course, anybody can name anybody in this country for a lawsuit, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about successfully pursuing a lawsuit. And if you use a, 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 this company structure, this two company structure in place, all the interactions were through this operating company, which didn't own anything, um, but it did everything. So the lawsuit can really only be effectively maintained against the operating company, which puts you in the position of just winding down that operating company and starting up a new one for less than a thousand bucks. While all of your assets are protected and your separate asset holding company and you're personally protected because you didn't do anything, your operating company did. So it's, that's the, the basic scheme that um, everybody should be using uh, for themselves and for their businesses. So presumably you're uh, uh a board member or manager or have some capacity in that series LLC or other protected structure. So is that not part of your liability as well? That's why it's very important to form in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming, because in those four states, people can't take your ownership interest inside of an LLC. Mm. So you own the, the series LLC ultimately, right? But they can't take it. If you live in California, you got no protections using a California LLC. You must use one of the LLCs formed in one of those four states to have that type of protection. Hmm. So something I also heard you talk about is a Delaware statutory trust. So how does a trust help protect your assets? And is that an either or to the series LLC or is that in addition to? Yeah, so the DSTs um, are usually an either or with the series LLCs with how we use them. Um, mm -hmm. The DST, the Delaware Statutory Trust, um, is a trust structure that works very much like a series LLC, and then they can both create what's called a child series. So what a child series is for a series LLC and a DST, um, for both of these different entities, it's a separate legal entity that it can privately create with additional filings. Right. So that becomes really cool because essentially you can create new LLCs on your desktop for free, whether it's a series LLC or a DST. The child series isn't an LLC technically, but it's treated for all liability purposes as if it were. DSTs are exceptionally cool because what you're able to do um, if you live in California is protect all of your California assets and all your other assets that you have throughout the country without having to pay franchise taxes. And you can create 1031 exchanges directly in and out of the DST um, with that. But the big, big savings for California um, uh, investors or owners is, is that there's no, you don't have to pay the franchise taxes, which is over $800 a year plus other fees. Okay. Uh, DST, you get to avoid all of that. So what's a 1031 exchange? Uh, 1031 exchanges is, is one of the ways that you as an investor in real estate, you can buy a piece of property at like 100,000 and it can appreciate up to 200,000. Now when you sell that piece of property, typically you'd have to pay a gain on the $100,000 of, 
uh, that was the property appreciated, right? So you'd get whacked with um, some capital gains tax in that in that scenario. But what the government will allow you to do with a 1031 exchange is if you plow all that money that you made back into a new piece of real estate, you don't have to pay any taxes on the gain. So that becomes really cool, right? Because now you can start taking money, um, you start, you're making gains in the market, um, you're plowing that money back into new investments as you're selling more assets, so you're never paying taxes on it. But each step along the way, you're buying bigger and bigger assets, which are cash flowing bigger and bigger revenues to you, right? So this is a way for you to build up your, um, your, your cash flows from your properties um, in a, in a tax, uh, you know, tax deferred way. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is great. These are some good things to think about in terms of how you want to structure things. Cause it's, uh, it's not necessarily people are, are aware of. So are there other ways you can protect your assets? Um, the, the biggest pieces are going to be, you know, using insurance correctly, um, which I'm a big advocate of using an asset holding company to hold all of your assets and an operating company, uh, to be able to compartmentalize all the liability from anything that touches the outside world. Those are the big, um, pieces to use, but you can use these strategies no matter what business you're in, no matter what assets you own. Um, they just particularly um, seem to be really resonate really well with real estate investors because of the simplicity. Um, the simplicity of these is really important because underneath the old way of establishing individual LLCs for everything you were doing, now you had to have individual bank accounts, individual tax returns, right. um, individual franchise tax filings, et cetera, which made it a total nightmare. So with the use of a series LLC, you can streamline everything through one bank account, one EIN number, one tax return. Um, and the best part of all is if you use a company like Royal Legal Solutions, which is my company, we do all of the maintenance, upkeep, filings, everything for you um, as, part of, uh, as part of a membership um, to it. So it, what our clients really enjoy is the ability to offload all of the concerns of what do I need to put together? How do I maintain it? How do these things integrate with my estate plan as well as my um, solo 401ks or self-directed IRAs um, and have that all underneath um, one roof, which, you know, to tie back to the very beginning of our conversation is ultimately what um, we all should be thinking about when we're looking to embark on a new endeavor um, on whatever that would be, you know, even if it's not, you know, my company, I highly recommend that you find one um, that you can, you can trust and rely on to be able to not just set things up for you, but also do all of the ongoing pieces because otherwise what you're going to find is that um, they're not maintained correctly. And then all of the protections you think you got, they didn't really work because it wasn't maintained. Right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that this is not just limited to real estate. And so if you're scaling your company, how, how do you apply these, I mean, are these structures ones that you can use in a, to compartmentalize your, say, divisions of your company, for example, as a way to limit or at least mitigate um, any risks? That you're, you're going yeah, to absolutely. Because yeah. each individual child series can be treated as a completely separate entity and just like an LLC from every other individual child series and from the parent. So if you're looking to um, scale out, you know, new divisions of your company, um, I, you can either file individual LLCs um, for each one of those, or if you use a series LLC, you can create an infinite number of child series absolutely for free and use them just like an LLC. 
So, and there's nothing, wow, that's, that's amazing that you can just do that on your desktop and there's yeah. no additional cost can, involved. There's yeah. no additional cost involved. And a lot of people don't know is that you can actually do this in all 50 states. You just have to form in one of the states that allows for the series LLC creation and you can use it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the structures are so strong that they've never been challenged um, over the last 20 years. Nobody's um, brought up a court case to challenge the validity of a series LLC um, at, at all. So, uh, I think that we can rely on those and say this is actually a, a really strong structures. Um, and just like we use for LLCs, you know, formed in Delaware and used everywhere else in the United States, the same thing is true for series LLCs, whether you want to form them um, in, in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming. Again, I like Texas because it's um, no yearly fees and it's very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but then you can take that series LLC and use it anywhere you want to in the rest of the United States. And that falls underneath for anybody that's out there and wants to be a true, you know, legal geek about it underneath the full faith and credit clause of the constitution that states respect each other's laws. Right. So, um, people have been doing this for years with Delaware LLCs. And so we're just, we're advocating the same thing that people are doing with, uh, with a series LLC. Yeah. I've heard people, I mean, I've heard quite a bit about Delaware. I wasn't aware of Texas, Wyoming, and Nevada are, are under the same sort of protection. So do you have to be a resident of those states to take advantage of those? No, you don't. You can use form LLCs anywhere you want to inside the United States and use them anywhere you want to. Um, so uh, you don't need to to be a resident to be able to take advantage of those laws. Um, it's the legal pieces are just like everything else, right? Like there's ways that you can maximize the strategies to, to be able to have your maximum benefits. So the reason those four states are strong is because they have what's called really strong charging order protections. Um, if anybody wants to look that up, it just basically means that if somebody sues you, they can't take your ownership interest in your LLC. Um, but you want to form in, in the right states because forming in the wrong state or just your home state, wherever it's easy to form, um, a lot of times can mean that you're missing out on some of the advantages that are available exclusively in those four states. Hmm. So um, are there any requirements for filing out of, out of state? Is there, do you have to have a, an address in a location or an address within the state? Sure. Yeah. There's always going to be an address as well as a registered agent for every LLC. Um, for all of our clients, we make all of those arrangements, right? So for everybody to put that together. But if you wanted to do a DIY approach, you would have to look at um, what are all the filing requirements to submit it through the Secretary of State, through whatever state. Um, you need to look for your operating agreements to make sure you have a good operating agreement that's going to be valid. Without an operating agreement, your LLC is actually worthless. Um, you have to have an EIN number for it and a bank account. Um, you also need to um, have a business address as well as a registered agent address, um, which you know has their own um, costs, and you need to coordinate those all together. The reason to use a service provider is to be able to offload all of those paperwork details, right? And that's what good um, service providers should be able to do for you is to give you start to finish um, solutions that are maintained for you for uh, um, as part of as part of what they do. Um, but yeah, you can do anything you want as a DIY. It's just, um, you know, you got to commit the time to know that you're going to be doing it right. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about uh, how you can structure your your business to mitigate risk and avoid lawsuits and, uh, you know, the role of different structures, and insurance and all of that. So what how do you see the role of your business just to get to the the overall topic of this impact of this podcast, which is impact. So how is this, how is this work? How do you see it contributing to people and companies and 
um, in, in the work that you're doing? Yeah, so um, ultimately what I look for is to say that the, the best companies are ones that, you know, help us live better lives, and, and those are the ones that should succeed, right? So um, but I, the reason that I started Royal Legal Solutions is because I actually – you know, was a litigator for two years and then I went back to real estate investing and then just got swarmed by people that were asking me legal questions about real estate. How do they need to structure companies? How can they use trust structures to hide their assets? You know, um, you know, people that have properties between, you know, two and 200, um, where I ended up, you know, creating strategies for, um, to, uh, to be able to help all of them. And now you know, we help about 2,500 people all across the country. And the reason I think that's cool is because, um, most people are about, you know, they have one to three things in their life that are actually, they're actually really good at, um, and that are going to be the best use of their time. So, uh, what I thought of is saying, you know, if I can create a company that allows people to have a one-stop shop where they can just outsource all of the complexity, um, to somebody else. So that way the only thing they have to do is focus on investments or their business, and then they offload everything else in their life to us. That's going to make them have a great life. Because now they don't have to worry about whether it's being taken care of correctly. You know, am I doing the right thing here? You know, have I done my estate plan and whatnot? I probably didn't want to do that. And it's because it's too much of a pain. You know, we take all of those concerns, push all the legal and tax concerns right off the table onto somebody else. And then they can focus on the process of creating, creating wealth for them lives, creating a better family, creating whatever it is um, that happens to be their focus at that time. Um, instead of using that time and energy into paperwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big load off of people people's minds, and often you it's confusing knowing what to do. So, I'm I'm curious too about your business as in in and of itself. How do you manage? You know, you talk about offloading responsibilities. Have you got your business set up now in a way that you're not doing everything? You've got a team that supports you to do different things that uh, and allowing you to do what you're great at. Uh, yeah, so right now we're a team of about 40 people um, with uh, with six attorneys um, and a big team of paralegals. So I have a pretty big team um, that helps us or helps me um, help clients um, with it. We also have like a fully trained, you know, su uh, a support team and advisory team that I all people that I personally trained um, to uh, walk people through like what their current situation looks like, what are the strategies that are going to be most appropriate for them, you know, starting out and where they would need to build over time as their rep, as their net worth builds. Um, and all of those pieces are essential to, um, to allow me to be able to help people, um, at the scale that I want to, um, and also free up my time to be able to do um, bigger creative works. Like I do the real estate nerds podcast, um, which is my show. We have done about 70 episodes on it about the best and worst deals from real estate investors and what they did or didn't do that led them there as well as writing a new book um, on asset protection for real estate investors um, that I hope to be uh, publishing here this year. So um, they're trying to get more freed up to be able to create the types of content um, that I want to, to be able to essentially give away all the secrets for free. Cause that's what I do. I just, I like to study stuff, put it together, make it, um, seemingly complex concepts, much more streamlined and easy to understand, and then democratize it by just giving away all the information, knowing that, um, that by giving away all of the information, that's the best way to be able to build credibility um, with all the potential customers. So whether, you know, whether you're in a business that's like mine or uh, another business you're in, I would highly recommend trying to give away, you know, 95% of everything. Uh, to two people um, because it's um, 
at the end of the day, it's not hiding the information that makes people want to buy from you. It's make, it's about help, helping them feel comfortable and helping them understand what's going on um, and knowing that they probably don't want to do all the hard work themselves. But if they did, they could, you know, and that's what um, that's just my my personal modus operandi, so to speak. Yeah. And it builds trust. And that is that relationship that engages people for sure. Yeah. So um, at the um, at the end of all these interviews as a way to kind of bring bring it together is there is there anything any takeaways that you would leave us with that, out of what you've talked about today that you think are most important yeah the the most important piece is to just to take action you know it's the same thing that's brought you all the success in your life so far it has been taking action a lot of times these legal concerns asset protection estate planning um, all of these pieces are um, all things that we know we need to do, but uh, but they're easy to delay on because the threat isn't imminent, you know, but there is a looming threat out there. We don't know um, when and if that's going to happen. Um, and what I'd like to be able to do is to encourage everybody to um, look at uh, addressing the things in your life that you've, that you know are important, but you fail to take action on. Um, and whether this is asset protection or estate planning or just something else that's, you know, totally different, um, totally fine. But just focus on getting like one done a week. You know, if you can just get through one major thing that you know you should be doing, but you haven't and just do one a week on it, you'll find out by the end of the year, you've accomplished way more than you ever have or ever thought that you could. Yeah, that's so true. I, that is, and I think this is an area that people kind of shy away from because they don't know where to begin. So this is this podcast is a great example of, of learning more and becoming more informed so you can make good decisions about how to move forward. So yeah, absolutely. That's you know part of having a good team and um, and also you know having a team that's willing to share with you all the information like we have with the the royallegalsolutions.com website and we have tons of free ebooks on there like the top 10 things you need to know about asset protection. Um, that's really what you it's you know that today the modern currency I believe is you know how much can you give away to people, you know, to be like the information source. Um, so Hopefully, um, everybody has that experience with this podcast and the other podcasts I'm on as well as website and such. So if there's anything I can do, I'd, I'd love to know. Great. Well, you mentioned the Real Estate Nerds podcast. Is that on? Uh, what, what platforms is that on? It's on everything. You know, it's iTunes, Stitcher, <laughs> Spotify. We, we push okay. it out to just about everything. So um, okay. we check that out. Great. So um, to wrap things up, I've always asked this rapid round of questions. Are you, are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right. So first question is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? Um, yeah, well, it's important to try to, you know, dream big, but stay small with your actions, you know, like focus on the little things that you can do each day, knowing that those are going to have the big results, um, especially the bigger you get. The bigger you get, the harder it is to actually have huge impact, right? Because you can't really do it much on your own anymore. It's actually this collective group of people that are with you. Right. Um, but what you can do is just stay focused on what are the small things that you can do well each day. Right. So uh, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Um, just being open, um, being acting with high integrity, um, and being passionate about what I do. I, those are really some of our core values um, at Royal Legal Solutions. Um, and thinking about, you know, how do, you, how do I live my life by my own values and, and being self-critical when especially the times that I don't live up to the values that 
um, that I aspire to live up to um, all the time. Um, and uh, just taking, taking note of that, you know, I think thinking about your values first and also thinking about how the, um, the people that you help are the ones that like own everything. So like I view it and we view it as a company that our customers actually own Royal Legal Solutions that we don't, we don't exist without them. They make the shots on what's going to be acceptable and not acceptable for us to do as a company. And they let us know whenever we, we stray outside of those lines. Um, and so then we're very responsive to that too, like being a product based and customer centric um, type of company. And that's probably true with most areas of our lives that we don't really get to control a lot of our lives. We're at the mercy of other people and what they're doing. So our, our real duties can be into having high values and being of service to others. Yeah, I love that you talked about values there. So that's a, that's a great way to structure a company around. So, so the last question is, what's one insider piece of advice you'd share with uh, an entrepreneur or leader who's looking at, I want to have more impact. I want to reach out in a way that's going to, to uh, help me help other people. What would you say to that? Um, yeah, the biggest place where I find people get stuck is that they get stuck in um, an idea phase of wanting to have impact because the idea of having impact is pretty sexy, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I can help all these people and like, I'm so great. And I think that people like give themselves too much joy about their own ideas without actually doing anything. You know, right. like they sit there and they'll tell all their friends or whatever. And that gives them this big dopamine kick that they got this great idea and all their friends tell them how great they are and how brilliant they are or whatever, but nothing actually happened. And that's going to fade away to nothingness and probably nothing will have that idea. So I would say for most people is that if you have um, one, make sure you have a big enough idea that's excited enough to get you out of bed and get you working hard at it. Two, don't really share the full idea with anybody. Only share with them the information that they need to know to be able to help you create the idea. Don't dissipate the energy on it by inviting criticism or inviting anybody else's input. It's your idea and nobody else is going to get it and it's full complexity and it's full fruition um, of it. And, um, and, and with that, I would say get velocity to a dollar. Like get your idea you know, get, recruit other people to help you in building the idea and see how quickly and monetize on it very, very quickly. If you can't get somebody to give you a dollar for your idea or for your product or for your service um, quickly with it, then scrap the idea and go to a new idea because it's just not a good idea. People don't want to pay for it. So, so don't do it. Yeah, it's a good test. Absolutely. Well, Scott, thank you so much for everything you shared today. It's a, you're, you've been so informative, and I think it's really going to open a lot of people's eyes in terms of how they can structure their businesses and their lives in a way to uh, be able to manage their assets and uh, keep their allow them to live better, as you said, in terms of the way you, you spoke about impact. So thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd love to love to connect with everybody if uh, if they feel so inclined. Great. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, yeah. So if you're a real estate investor or you're a burgeoning real estate investor, or if you're just thinking about it, whatever the case may be in there, or if you have significant you know assets that are you know over a hundred thousand dollars in total net worth, um, the best place to get a hold of our information is just from the royallegalsolutions.com website. We have. Um, live professionals that are there on the web chat. If you want to, to talk with somebody directly, you can also schedule a consultation um, with us or, or call us um, to be able to do that. Um, the number to call into is 512-757-3994. That's also on the royallegalsolutions.com website. 
We have a ton of free information from eBooks on the top 10 things you need to know about asset protection um, to self-directed IRAs, solo 401ks. We have a webinar series that go into depth into all the major things that um, you guys have heard about um, from you know your own research online into what you can be doing for tax savings and estate planning, et cetera. Um, and uh, what I'd encourage everybody to do is to get uh, into one of the consultations. We charge $150 for the consultation, which is completely refundable to you if for any reason you don't feel it was worth $150, although we never have to do that. We also credit the $150 to anything you buy from us. So really, um, what the $150 is, is it's a commitment to say that we're both going to show up and we're both going to be serious. Right. We're going to be serious about saying, I'm really looking at this, and we're going to come serious saying, like, you know, we're actually going to give you a customized plan for what it is that you have currently, where you're growing, and what that needs to look like in building, you know, along the way. And then you can make an informed decision of what pieces you want to put in now versus what pieces are going to make sense for you to put in um, later. So that's typically how we work, and that's really easy to get to from the royallegalsolutions.com website. Great. Well, Scott, thanks again so much. A lot of great resources. Awesome. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, Join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.